It's gonna be history, Nature Boy. I can feel it just like Clash of the Champions number one when we were standing just like this. Only difference is now we're standing like this, side by side. And guess what? Terry Funk, Muda, Terry, we know you're in the in the building somewhere. It doesn't matter where you are, because wherever you are, I know that that heart's going ba-boom, ba-boom, ba-boom. Muda, you the same way. You're in walking distance now, Funk. Just show up in the ring and woo! The Nature Boy and the Stinger. History once again. In a few minutes, blood, sweat, and tears. Yes! This is the fall brawl. And baby, the Sting, woo! And the Nature Boy are on top of their game, right? All right, I tell you what. We're going to find out who's the trapper and who's the trap. Let's gear up to Gary Caputo now for the introduction. It's 1989, it's WCW, it's our first trip to 1989, it's our first trip anywhere near this timeline. The number one song at the time was Hangin' Tough by the New Kids on the Block. <laughs> sea of Love featuring Al Pacino was the number one movie. I was two, Travis was still swimming in Father Fudge's loins. This. And the Pixies came out with Doolittle. <laughs> <laughs> The NWA Clash of Champions number eight, Fall Brawl 89. Travis, it's September 12th, 1989. What were you doing? Nothing. We just talked. I was a specimen. You were a specimen. You were being created from proteins and uh, and, uh, in a warm uh, sack. I was swimming in a nut sack. Yeah, I was. Perhaps crawling around on the floor. Haven't discovered wrestling yet. I would discover it the following year. WrestleMania six. No, I, I don't. It wouldn't start. It would start with pop, but that would be the first one I would. But get. that was your big thing, right? Yes. Yes. Uh, so uh, this is coming from Columbia, South Carolina. On Ric Flair Day. Ric Flair Day is right from the USC Coliseum. How many people do you think were at the show, Travis? Eight thousand. 2.6 thousand people. Oh, fuck. So there was less than 3,000 people here at the USC Coliseum. Uh, this aired on TBS, and uh, what do you think its television rating was? We uh, let's, let's preface this by saying that we last got together to do our Patreon-exclusive Postmania Raw 2004. That was a 4.0. That was a 4.0. What would you say... That this show garnered mm, in 1989. That's a hard one because I don't know what it will be like in 89, but I'm going to go with um, a 9. 4.7. Man, I'm not. Oh, I got to adjust my spectrum. Well, see, now you're also looking at, too, it, it, it's not. I don't. Well, I suppose it's TBS. TBS is basically everywhere. Yeah. yeah. Um, But still. Now known as Pete Street TV, right? Is it still Peachtree TV? I don't know. I haven't had cable. I don't know. Years. I haven't had cable for a long time either. But uh, we all. This is also commentated by the, in my opinion, my one of my favorite comment, commentary duos, Jim Ross and Jim Cornette, the Double Jims. I loved this. I loved every last fucking second. I of like it. Jim, but you know what? Travis, you can't say you love Jim because they're both named Jim. I like James E. Cornette. I like James E. Cornette. Okay. For some reason, JR fucking bugged me to death on this. He looked show. like he was wearing eyeliner. He looked like a pretty JR. JR fucking had the weirdest vernacular on this show. Like, compared to how he was about 10 years later. I don't know, man. Like, power moves. Look at all these power moves. <laughs> I, I just, it wasn't so much the calling of the action, but it was their excitement. And their True. excitement made every match enjoyable, in my opinion. I liked um, when they did the whole green screen in front of the crowd deal. Okay, How yeah. they each had a different colored microphone. You had a red and a blue one. Oh, the different wind stocks. Yeah. I've been thinking about getting uh, custom wind stocks for us. Ooh. Yeah, because you can get them. I, I, they follow me on uh, on Instagram. And uh, let's get into the plugs. We forgot about the plugs. You can oh. listen to the Federation podcast on MoFudge.com. Uh, you can listen to us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, uh, anywhere where uh, fine podcasts can be found. You can also buy a T-shirt at whatamaneuver.net. 
Uh, we also have our Patreon. So our Patreon is still fairly new. Our Patreon has f- four tiers, I think. One dollar gets you uh, a shout out on the show. Five dollars will get you access to all 44 episodes of our back catalog, as well as all uh, Patreon exclusive episodes that come out, which include Raw Up, Raw Down. Smack Up, SmackDown, which are weekly reviews of Raw and SmackDown. One of these days, maybe Travis will join me on them. Who knows? I'm down. He's down. But the thing is, work schedule doesn't really allow it. I try to get him out as soon as I can after Mondays and Tuesdays. And Travis doesn't usually have Mondays or Tuesdays off. My schedule's erratic. Yes. So with that, you get those. Like we said, you got the Postmania Raw from 2004 as well. As well as many more things to come, uh, the capture card for video game streams has been ordered from our good uh, from our good sponsors over at Whiskey Heathens Productions. So you Patreon subscribers and future Patreon subscribers, you're going to get a lot of cock on the on the feed. Let, let's play with the cock. <laughs> yes, um, and you know there will be times where it'll be you know like me playing or Travis playing. Sometimes it'll be all of us. Sometimes it'll just be Adam. Sometimes who knows? There's just going to be video game streams galore coming up on the site. So you'll find those on outside of Patreon, but there will be some for the Patreon as well, and just much more. Ten dollars gets you stickers. Uh, I've seen the stickers. Travis has seen the stickers. They're beautiful stickers. Mm-hmm. Once we get them in our possession, I'm sure you guys will all see them as well. Uh, and uh, twenty-five dollars gets you a. Uh, you get to pick your own episode. And then $50 gives you a t-shirt, pick your own episode, and be on that episode as well. And there is a requested episode in queue. Yes. yes. Via Viva La JD. Yes. And I, I swear to God, you're going to get that soon. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, hopefully that'll be out, you know, not much longer after this episode comes out. Yeah. So uh, that'll, that'll be to look forward to. That is for Patreon subscribers only as well. Uh, and uh, we'll get right into our show, won't we? Let's start with uh, Gary Hart. It's coming. It's, that's that's next week. That's next time. <laughs> but uh, Gary Hart is throughout the show. Uh, there's some uh, convolution going on in the JTEX Corporation. And uh, Gordon Soley is here to get to the bottom of it. Thanks, Jim. Well, I will say this, that rumors are flying tonight, and they're flying about problems in Gary Hart's camp. I decided the best thing to do is to go right to the man himself, Gary Hart, and ask him point blank. Are there problems in your camp, sir? There's no problems in our camp, Gordon. Whoever's been filling your head with these rumors and making these accusations, it's probably coming from Flair and Sting. Because I can imagine right at this time you're sitting in your dressing room shaking right down to your very bones. Because there is going to be a major problem tonight, right here on national television, and it's going to take place in the main event. And you've got a lot of problems, Ricky Flair, and you've got a lot of problems, Sting. This possibly could end your wrestling career tonight. As far as me having any problems with JTEX, there are no problems, no matter what anybody tells you, Gordon. All right, there you have it, direct from the man himself, Gary Hart. There are no problems in his camp. Well, the rumors have been flying, but I guess he says uh, they're just not there at all. We'll be back with more action after this one. Okay. So you exclude the cheesy 80s bits from this show that I love. Yeah. You open up the show with one of the most renowned commentators of all time doing an interview with one of the most renowned managers yes. of all time. And there's a reason why I did that. Because it's good to be in 89. And I feel that I can't do justice to what Gary Hart and Gordon Soley do. Gary so Hart. You need to hear that. Gary Hart is so well spoken. Yes. He is so well spoken. Um, I can't believe that I've never ever seen any of his material before. Right. This He's is... amazing. Yeah. He's he is. easily my favorite person on this entire show. Like, because he he's interviewed three sure. times. He's in the main event. And this guy was, oh man, he just knew what he had to do. Yep. He had it on wraps. And before we get into the show, can I just like. Ask you if you uh, ever knew about this thing. Um, Go for it. Corp Bauer yeah. tried to get Gary Hart into the WWE back yes. in like 05. Because Corp Bauer and Gary Hart were. He was like his protege. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, before you go any further, Gary Hart's book is something that I really want to read. It's like 100 bucks, 200 bucks because it's out of print. 
There's got to be a fucking an ebook or something. Yeah, I'd be. love to read it. Yeah. But apparently, I can't remember who he was trying to get to manage. But um, I think it was Kali. Okay, he was trying to get Gary Hart to manage Kali, but it never ever worked out or something like that. Huh. That would have been great though. It would have been great, but he died in like '07. So yeah, yeah, it, it was very very close. It would have. I've heard Court Bauer talk about Gary Hart a lot, and uh, no, it, it's it's prevalent from the start of the show that Gary Hart will be a highlight of our timeline. For the next six, seven, eight episodes, so. it's it's just amazing. Um, you know, I, I've always been a WWE kid, and yep. I never ever really watched much of this stuff. Like I've seen like Starcade '83, The First Clash, all that kind of jazz. But like the the ring style is different. The the layout and the production, the camera angles, it's all so those fresh. seated fucking zoom boom cameras that are coming in and out all the time. Man, I love it. Yeah, I, I thought it. that was great, and you catch glimpses of them too. And, and the ring style is so innovative at this point. Like when you talk about like tom zank yeah pillman pillman is like fresh in we wcw right now yeah uh before we get into the pillman norman match was my favorite match of the night. was it yeah that was fun it was fun it, it was, was really my, fun yeah, it was really fun uh, we'll get into it later we'll get into yeah. it later yeah uh so our first match of the show is the road warriors with paul ellering taking on the samoan swat team fatu and samu with Paul E. Dangerously. And Fatu would be Rikishi. Yes. Um, yes. Now well, they, the, they would come into the uh, WWE as the Wild Samoans. Head shrinkers. Who, the head shrinkers, Fatu and Samu. Yeah. Um, if this was WWE nowadays, we would have Paul Ellering managing the uh, Samoans. <laughs> and we'd have Paul E. managing the big dudes. That's true. That's it would true. be the reverse effect. It would be. It would be. Now, Travis... No matter, it seems that no matter which way we go with this, we always have to sit through a Rikishi match. Yeah, to oh. start the show, and we can't escape the Benoit tragedy either. No, 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 because <laughs> somebody else is on the show, and uh, at least it's not back that ass up Rikishi, and it's no, this is wild Samoan work fucking... rate Rikishi who was actually doing a really good job. Yes, I agree. I agree. I thought this was great. Uh, they call the Legion of uh, the Road Warriors Legion of Doom, and I was shocked to find that out as you were as well. Yeah, because both of us were under the assumption that that was a WWF moniker. I thought so. Yeah, I thought for sure as well because they never ever called them the Road Warriors in WWF. Never. So I just assumed Legion of Doom was their thing. But maybe it's they called them the Legion of Doom offhand a few times. Never ever trademarked it when they came over to WWE. It's like, well, they called them Legion of Doom. Vince probably wanted to change the name, but then the Road Warriors are probably just like, well, we already have the Legion of Doom. Yeah. You know, maybe, yeah. maybe that's what happened. It's possible. Um, fuck, what was I gonna say? Shit. Um, so Paul Heyman says that the small SWAT team will make the Road Warriors cry worse than Jim Baker on trial. They've made quite a few references to Jim Baker on this show. I have no idea who Jim Baker Apparently is. Apparently, he was like a preacher or something like that. Hmm. That That is the kind of vibe I was getting from the whole Jim Baker thing. I was hoping that you would have known. I, I, I didn't look it up. But yeah. Um, so, it, this is a typical Road Warriors match, you know. It is. They, they sell more than I thought that they would. Um, Animal, Hawk, they have so much energy. So do the Small and Swat team as well. It's Oh, do you have an answer? Yeah. Who is Jim Baker? Uh, Jim Baker is an American televangelist, former Assemblies of God minister, convicted felon, and former host with his wife, Tammy Faye Baker. You've heard of Tammy Faye. No? Um, Baker's also known to build... Uh, no, it's not uh, relevant. There was a cover-up of hush money paid to Baker's secretary, Jessica Hahn, for alleged rape led to his resignation from the ministry. Subsequent revelations of accounting fraud... Brought about this conviction, imprisonment, and divorce. Baker later remarried and returned to televangelism where he works on the Jim Baker show. He sells buckets of food to his audience on the show in preparation for the end of days. Like buckets of KFC? Fried Bucket, Just chicken. buckets of food. And he's still alive and he's 78 years old. Still preaching to the fucking choirs after raping girls. Still preaching. Still raping. After stealing money and raping ladies. So, uh, yeah. That's uh, Jim Baker. Anyone can make a second life. Anyone, if Jim yep. Baker can. Yeah. I seen a good uh, meme on the interwebs the other day. Yeah. And it was like, if wrestling is fake, explain this to me. And it was uh, like one of those televangelist priests, like knocking people down, with, like just like. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I thought that was Doing cool. the whole speaking in tongues and yeah. stuff like yeah. that. Uh, Cornette says that the Samoan people are uncontrollable. 
and warlike mongers. First thing that we've seen that you can't do today. The next thing will be in the main event. <laughs> yes. On TV yes. Um, I got some jollies out of hearing JR call Hawk the Hawk. The oh, Hawk. Okay, yeah. 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 Like, like you said, there was lots of brawling, but it was well fast. Well, it was well yeah. fast. Well paced. Oh, everything on this show is so well paced. Yeah. Everything. Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. Uh, the ending comes about, though, when the Simone SWAT team has Polly Dangerously's phone. Hawk knocks it out of his hands. It goes flying outside. Hawk then goes to retrieve it, says fuck it, goes back into the ring. Ellering throws the phone into the ring, clocks the small shots team in the head with the, with ah, while the ref watches, and the Road Warriors pick up the victory. Right the in front of the ref, place. too. Yeah. Right in front of the ref. Yeah, ref didn't even give a shit. No. It's like, what the fuck? It's, weapon's not big enough. No, no. no phones, cell but phones yet, were not big enough back in the day. But yet later on, you fucking someone gets hit with a roll of coins. Yeah. And that's deemed, oh, the ref's distracted. He's out. Yeah. But yet, a cell phone isn't deemed worthy enough to have a ref being distracted. I would, I, would say, I would say the ref is just too afraid of the road warriors. That's what I would say. You know what? Yeah. 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 So uh, post-match, Ellering attacks Paul Lee and then crushes his phone. And the uh, Simone SWAT team argue with Paul Lee as we fade away well, into the darkness. They walk off. Yes. Just walk away from Paul. Yeah. So I guess that's tension building. Yeah, it is. Um, what's next, Travis? It's coming. Yes. It's coming. There's a commercial for Halloween Havoc 1989 it's where everybody's talking amazing. about how it's coming. And then I love how everyone gets their own voiceover in, but when Ric Flair does It's Coming, it's the actual voiceover <laughs> guy doing it over Flair's voice. So fucking corny. <laughs> so uh, corny. Lex Luger's is the best, though. Because he can't just say it's coming like everyone else with a facial expression. It's coming. He's got to fucking do a little like pose. Yeah. Yeah. Easily. But, Lex Luger is easily the worst person on this show. He's green. His promos suck. His in-ring work is awful. He's He is the 89 equivalent of Roman Reigns. They, they do look a lot alike, actually. Right? Right? Yes. Yes. So uh, this brings us, Travis, to the Z-Man. R.I.P. Was, yeah, what? what? R.I.P. R.I.P., yeah, yeah, I suppose, yeah. <laughs> Against the Cuban assassin. Not the Cuban assassin, but N.W.A.'s Cuban assassin. <laughs> Ford Heel versus White Meat Babyface. Yeah. This is the debut of Tom Zink in N.W.A. Yes. He was prior in uh, WWF, AJPW, All Japan. Yes. And he was in A.W.A. first in. You do. You've done your research as well, motherfucker. Yeah. Yeah, I figured. No, so he left WWF in 87, mid-Can-Am He was with Rick run. Martell, right? Yes. And uh, just unhappy with the way things were going. And uh, But Tom Zink just wins with a sleeper. <laughs> it's not you know much what? of a match. He did way too much, though. Like, he worked way yeah. too fast. Yeah, he did. And that, that, that's what I'm saying. Like, people are saying that the, these guys today are doing way too much shit. They're getting way too much shit in. But you look at Pillman and Tom Zank, and they're working so fast. Yeah, I can, I can exempt Pillman from this because of his, uh, his opponent. Yes. He had to work fast because his opponent was so big. But in this match, he had a Cuban assassin just looked like an old slob. He, he, Cuban assassin couldn't sell for Tom Zank because it was just no, too fucking fast. It was too much. It was too much. So... I mean, I w- and that's what my notes said here. I wasn't sold on anything in this match. Sure, at this point in time in 1989, Tom Zink is doing a lot of stuff that people don't do. That's true. Yeah, innovative. very true. Really innovative. Very innovative. And I can't wait until, if we do get to it, where Tom Zink and Pillman team up. Yeah, that would be great. Yeah. They, that, and that happens fairly soon. Like, it, it's not like he's in WCW for long before that happens, right? So, hopefully. No, no, hopefully. No, no. We'll be going through this for the better part of a kayfabe year. And uh, so, yeah. Uh, this then uh, brings us to, I'm, I believe, the next Gary Hart segment. No, uh, Ric Flair Day, where the governor of South Carolina offers Flair some well, sort of plaque for all the championships he's won. Yeah, I was just going to skip that since um, we already spoke about No, that. we don't have another um, Until Gary Hart thing for match. a while. We get to my favorite match of the night. Sid Vicious versus Ranger Ross. This was the best squash match I've ever seen in my life. Now, Travis, before you get too excited, do you want to know who Ranger Ross is? Please tell me. Okay. After leaving high school, 
Ross enlisted with the United States Army Rangers. Oh my God! So he's an actual fucking <laughs> training as a paratrooper during his eight-year military career. Ross participated in several combat and rescue missions, including Operation Urgent Fury, before becoming a professional wrestler. After leaving WCW on bad terms, he later filed a discrimination suit against the organization. He then became a private investigator as well as a part-time probation officer in Aceworth during the early 90s. He collected fines, probation fees, and local uh, in the local area. In February 1996, Ross was arrested at his home in Aceworth, formally charged with bank robbery as the motorcycle bandit, an unidentified man who made his escape on a Honda motorcycle following the robbery of a bank in downtown Aceworth. Ross surrendered to federal agents on February 9th. What? Ross is now a seminary and is in the mission ministry. So another piece of shit turned religious. Ross is married now, lives in Georgia, where he's a small business owner. You think he works at Jim Baker? Maybe. He's involved with many charities, and uh, he runs a summer camp in Georgia. Oh, man. So that's Ranger Ross. Buddy. Um... (laughs) So, <laughs> the amount of patriotism in the 80s is kind of disgusting to me. Because every single match has to have some sort of patriot in it. Well, they, and, and you Whether are coming off... Whether it's a Cuban off, patriot or an American patriot. You are coming off as well, though. Um, what war was going on now? Was it the Gulf War? Gulf War was in the early 90s. Was it? Was it Kuwait? Maybe? thought kuwait was later on i don't know There's, because that was the whole thing but like this was this is around kuwait. the time when sergeant slaughter and no sergeant slaughter did the whole thing in 91 91 89 i'm sure war the war probably went on for a lot longer. that's true that's true i think um, might, i think it's the gulf war i, I think yeah, and so. you know we're not american so fuck me right <laughs> i'm not <laughs> we're just good at geography due to wrestling I'm, I, and sports. i'm not good at geography oh that's, come on that's that's probably name the 50 states no, I can't. Okay. Uh, I could probably I probably could name the vast majority like of them. 30, 40. But uh, you get me outside the uh, the Western Hemisphere and I'm fucked. So, uh, Travis, mm-hmm. tell us about this match. All right. So, our boy from Ring of Honor, Gary Michael Capetta, is announcing this show. And he bills Sid Vicious from the Metropolis because he is a part of the Skyscrapers <laughs> with Dan Spivey. Yes, because Dan Spivey comes out with him. Yes, he does, with yeah. Teddy Long, right? Yeah. So Teddy Long doesn't have any teeth right now. No, no, no. He's pretty crackhead looking. And he looks like Lorenzo, the guy that used to manage that club for the NWA. Yeah. yeah. Um, so um, Dan Spivey would eventually get, or uh, no, Sid would eventually get injured, thus replacing him with Me Mark Callis. That's, that's within this timeline. Yeah, because Taker goes to WWE in November of 1990. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, here we go. Sid attacks Ross, sends him outside to drop him on the guardrail. Uh, Sid gets distracted by Teddy Long. Ross gets, like, a glimmer of an advantage. Fucking Sid hits a running DDT and a whirly bird, which you'll see on Twitter yes, very soon. Yes, there will be a gif of that. This is amazing. He has him up for, like, uh, like, a razor's edge, but he spins him around and just flings him across the ring. And while Ross is up, held up by Sid... He is expressing no emotions like, all right, all right, when's this going to be done? When's this going to be done? Like, he is fucking deadpan ice man. He's not reacting at all to being, like, seven feet up in the air, about no. to be flung across the ring. It's madness. Sid defeats Ross with a powerbomb. It was amazing because Sid, <laughs> Sid was just fucking on fire, man. Like, I, I can't believe it. I have always liked Sid Vicious just because of the way that he exudes himself. Like, yep. he just has that... He's so aloof. Yeah. But yet he's just a monstrosity. Yeah, and he's mad looking just And he loves softball. Loves softball. Loves softball. Man, slow pitch is his bitch. Yeah, I like it. Thank you. Thank you. Um so do you want to talk about what happens next at all? Well, I originally called her woman, but her name is uh Robin Green. Robin Green. A.K.A. Nancy Benoit. Yes. And Misty Hyatt are in a limo, and they're going shopping. Well, Jarrah and Cornette introduced this as a very special feature. Sure. Sure. 
<laughs> sure, it's special. They then proceed to show us them looking for clothes and jewelry. My question, Travis, is why in the 80s did all these items have clear plastic bags over them while they're on the racks? Mm. Sneeze guards? More on plastic bags later in the show. It's like a salad bar. Maybe. Um, so I'm pretty sure the Benoit family's haunting us from the grave. <laughs> Maybe. Um, everything we try to do. This is the most poorly acted segment I've ever seen in my life. Yeah, it's very bad. And it's not due to Missy Hyatt. No. It's just due to Robin Green. She is very... There's a, there's a reason why she will go on to not speak. She breaks the fourth wall constantly. Yeah. And she's got porno acting and porno delivery. Yeah. Like screaming all over her. I'm sure I'm sure her and, and I mean, Sullivan hey, have made some This porns. is a girl that did pose for Hustler back in the eighties. That's true. So That's true. Um <laughs> As you said, no wonder they called her woman and made her mute. Yeah. Like yeah. straight up. Missy is fucking dropped it gorgeous. Oh, here, isn't though. she? Oh man. How why why did she do that to herself <laughs> she is like fucking so beautiful right now yeah she's she she really goes and takes a turn for her worse that's for sure she becomes a gutter slut yeah straight yeah. Well, up i mean she she probably was a gutter slut here too she just didn't look like one. Oh man but i'd mess around with that gutter slut back in 89 i would too not would not, too. not i now. would i would i would i would i would protect myself yeah i would i would do that two layers that, that's even worse travis it causes them to break. <laughs> put a small one over a large one. No, put a large one over a small one, you mean. But the friction was still No, breaking. no, no. Get a small one and then wrap a garbage bag around it, you know? Fair enough, man. That's that's all sensation gone there, though. So uh, now, since that pornorific segment is, is, is concluded, uh, the Freebirds, they have a little uh, interview with uh, Gordon Soley as well. And yeah. so let's check in. With Michael Hayes and uh, Jimmy Garvin. Thank you, thank you. And Gordon, uh, Gordon Soley. Fuck me! The fabulous Freebirds are the world tag team champions. In just about two and a half minutes, they will be defending those titles against the Steiners. I think you'd have to admit in your collective careers, gentlemen, the toughest challenge of your life. There's no doubt in my mind, Mr. S. It's going to be a tough stinking match. But every stinking night we have a tough match. And the fact is this, we're still the world tag team champions. Not the Road Warriors, not the Skyscrapers, not the Midnight Express. And it's not going to be the stinking Steiners because we just don't talk a good fight. We deliver. Tell them, Michael. You know something, Gordon Soley? I'm sick and tired well, of getting no respect right around here. Let me tell you something. Three months ago, no. at the last clash, we won the world titles the first time we went up for them. And tonight, we will walk out of the ring again, world champions. And you don't have to like it. You don't have to love it. But you better learn how to live with it. World Tag Team Championship match coming up right after we pause for these messages. So, Travis, very big Legion of Doom vibe there. Yeah, but you know what? I've, once again, I have not seen, I'm just going to say I've never seen the Freebirds really do their thing before. Fair enough. Fair enough. Great promo. Uh, I'm, I, Hayes great is promo. a great promo. I'm a bigger fan of jimmy garvin or not jimmy garvin uh what's the fuck's his name hayes? what hayes no the other guy in the, the jimmy freebird. garvin and michael hayes okay i was I and then I was buddy roberts about... and terry yeah. gordy were all in there yes i thought i was saying uh ronnie garvin first but yes jimmy garvin oh rugged ronnie garvin yes. uh jimmy garvin uh i i'm a bigger fan of him yeah uh Great worker. I, I like his i loved his promo the stinking this, stinking that. I didn't like that. No, I, 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 I enjoyed it. And I also, his in-ring work, I find, is head over heels better. You want to talk about Michael in-ring Hayes. work? Early Steiner Brothers right now. Whew. Wow. Wow. Yeah. This must be like really early Steiner Brothers. because well, Scott's been wrestling for two years. And they've said that they haven't won the NWA tag titles yet. Nope. And Rick Steiner must be fresh off of the Varsity Club. He is. With Mike Rotunda. He is. Because they both have the, sh- the same kind of, like, look to Singlet. them. Yeah. You know? they've, they've got the, uh, the, the, uh, the amateur <coughs> wrestler look. Yeah. And, and Scott would not be... They don't, they don't even look like brothers yet. No. 
Like and Rick, uh, Rick, Rick's 26 at this point. Yeah, it looks old as fuck. <laughs> Rick's, it's hard to believe that Rick wrestled longer than Scott. Yeah. At the same time, not really because he kind of bowed out a little earlier. But oh, yeah, he went selling homes. Man, compared to the Scott Center we've had to deal with for the last year on um, our timeline, this is amazing. Like it, He's very green. He's so green. Like, he kind of fucks up a lot of things. Yeah. Due to, like, miscommunication, mistiming. Yeah. But the athletic ability of Scott Steiner at this point. Yeah. Just, like, doing willy-nilly Frankensteiners out of nowhere yeah. on them two times in a row. Like, wow. I, yeah. yeah. I, I can't say anything but good things. No. Did you notice that Michael Hayes wasn't wearing a tag team title when he came to the ring? Really? Yeah. There was only one belt. What's up with, like, I don't get it. He lost a party in the night. Probably before. did, yeah. That, you know, you're probably right. <laughs> uh, Cornette then says, the Scott has only been wrestling for two years. He likes skiing, eating, and playing with dogs. Rick likes all the same things, but collects hotel towels. Yeah. Um, <laughs> what else did he say? Um, he's also a part of the Three Stooges fan club. <laughs> Is that Rick? Rick, yeah. Fuck me. So when uh when they say that <laughs> Scott likes to play with dogs, does that mean he likes to play with his brother? I I don't know. I don't know, but they do get the dog at some point in time, don't they? Or is that just WWF? I'm pretty sure that's the British Bulldog. No, they have a dog. I'm sure of it. I'm sure they do. Get they a dog. really? I'm I'm almost positive the Steiners get a dog. Cause he's the dog face gremlin, right? <laughs> Anyways, yeah, uh, you uh. If you're not going to speak anything, I'm not going to search for this. <laughs> That's fair. All right. So um, let's see here. Uh, the Steiners are managed by Robin Green and Missy Hyatt. So there was a reason why I guess we saw them shopping earlier. Um, I'm wondering how long this tandem lasts because like, I, I just didn't know the like, woman was in the WCW at this point. I, I figured that she was fucking gone to do something else or whatnot. But... um. I noticed that, like, the selling is really different at this point. Like, it's so much more animated. Yeah. Like, really animated. Like, well, you'll get to that Even with, like, when you go to do a move, you're hyperextending things to, to show to the crowd what you're going to do. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like, yeah. I really dig it. Um, like, early on, Scott just gets a ton of shit in. He gets a beautiful German suplex on Garvin after he ricochets off the turnbuckle. Rick Steiner does a belly to back at one point too. Like these are just moves that you never thought you'd see in '89. Rick Steiner hit a belly to back suplex so hard on Hayes that it knocks the camera out. <laughs> <laughs> the camera literally goes black for a second. <laughs> oh, buddy! Um, I did enjoy the uh, uh, the Garvin Rick Steiner exchange. Yeah, yeah. I thought that was absolutely fucking great. When it was just Scott Steiner and Michael Hayes, though, yeah. You know, it's cool, but it was a little clumsy. Yeah, yeah. Um, um, yeah, go ahead. Rick Steiner being the baby face in peril, getting the heat for the comeback, I thought was a much more appropriate thing than Scott because I don't think he could have sold properly no, at this point. No, no. Um, Matt Hayes at one point hits such a stiff clothesline on Rick. <laughs> like, I mean, to the point where he's not getting his armor bicep in, he's he literally hits Rick in the face with his wrist. <laughs> like, he clocks him in the face with his wrist. Good. It's so disgusting looking. Yeah. Um, so, to end the match, Scott trips up during a rope run. Hayes hits a running DAT for the win. Um, there's no angle for the trip. Which I think is uh, a good thing. Yeah. Because that keeps everybody guessing. And that can run it for a couple weeks. This yeah. is how... I'm I'm assuming Robin Green is the one that did it. Well, they uh they they hint that the crowd started yelling that she did it, and they pointed to woman Robin Green, and then Rick Steiner pointed at um, Missy Hyatt, Missy Hyatt, and said no, she did it. Yeah. So I'm assuming Rick and Robin are a thing, and Missy and Scott are a thing, and that would explain why Robin was doing all the stuff because he was part of the Varsity Club and shit like that. Yeah, yeah, I can so. see that. It makes sense. Uh, I, I really do like that. They can go a long ways or, well, you know, at least a month yeah. just doing this whole angle with who did it. You know, the crowd was helping. You know, it's just, it's I, so I, simple. I really it's it the great. simplest way of storytelling, but it's so effective. It is. It is. Now, is, you got to tell me now because I didn't write it down. Where Where's the next Gary Hart promo? Um, I have nothing yet. Next match is your favorite. Okay, so there was nothing. Oh, fair I'll enough. tell you when, because I know I have it wrote, written down. I uh, write, Flying Brian 
takes on Norman the Lunatic. Tyler, who is Norman the Lunatic? I have no fucking idea. Bastion Booger. Is he? Really? Mm-hmm. Yep. Oh, fuck me, man. Bastion Booger, much better than Bastion Booger. Brian has his cheerleaders. And they overdubbed his Def Leppard Rocket song. Oh, did they? Yeah. Did you notice that the Road Warriors song is like a rip-off rip of Iron Man? Always has been. Oh, it always has been? Yeah, always. Fair Since enough. even, like, in AWA, yeah. they came out to the legitimate Iron Man Fair Man's enough. Song. Fair enough. The Wild West. I mean, you're you're in a time where rap music is taking samples off of everything and yeah. no repercussions whatsoever until Vanilla Ice would come around and get fucking rickrolled. Yup. <laughs> well, yeah, so... uh he came out with cheerleaders, like I said. Norman goes on the attack first, but Brian would quickly bounce back. Teddy Long is managing Norman the Lunatic, and he's carrying around the Asylum key. Is he really? Is you that didn't what that was? That? I knew he had a key, but I didn't put two and two together. I'm assuming it's the, the key, key to his fucking asylum. It's got to be. It's got to be because he's got like hospital uh, on the back of his uh, jumpsuit. It's hospital uh, circulatory or something like that, like a uh, yeah. hospital edition. I thought he he looks like a lunatic. It's, it's really good, uh, but uh, he would hit, uh, and he is Brian would hit a big suplex, and then a springboard clothesline, then a cross body onto Norman outside. Norman does not catch him. I'm pretty sure um, the um, the springboard clothesline is his finisher, Eric okay. Pillman. Okay, which I mean, if you're familiar with Pillman in WWE. That's something he never ever did. No. Pillman never had a finisher in WWE no, because he didn't he couldn't wrestle, wrestle anymore. Uh, he would then go for uh, Norman's cane, or was that the key? Key, key, key yes. Key, yeah. uh, Norman then uh, gets the advantage. He hits a second rope big splash, only gets a two. Then the two brawl outside before the count of ten. Hit a top rope drop kick, power slam, backdrop. Norman catches a crossbody for a two. And then Flying Brian with a crucifix pin and get the win. Great match. It was. Great match. I, th- I thought, to me, it wasn't a, you know, like, holy shit, these two guys put on a goddamn clinic. But it's the story of Flying Brian having to beat this gargantuan guy. Is I found the way that he did it was just speed, speed, speed. Holy shit, holy shit. Loved it. Hey, um, can I, um, I've been reading Pillman's book. Okay, yeah. Um, He's always been one of my favorites. I have a funny story that I got from that book that I feel like is appropriate oh. for right now. Yeah. Just give me one second. Oh, God. No, we'll do it on another episode. No, no, no. It's, it's, oh, okay. Super easy. I took a, I took a photo. Oh, I thought you had to go get the book and find the page. No, don't worry. Don't worry. I'm just going uh, it, to. It, it's a short little quip, but it's about him uh, in Calgary. Um, all right. All right. Just give me a second. Just give me a second. All right. Here we go. Woo. <laughs> all right. All right, all right. So he's talking to Kim Wood, who Who's is uh, Wood? his protege, who got him into Stampede, oh, okay. got him into football. I've got to talk to you. There's this girl I've been going out with, I said. Yeah? You know when someone calls and complains about a girl? That's not new. But with Pillman, you could expect anything. He says, well, the thing is, she's got these rape fantasies. And I go, well, okay. He says, I can't take it anymore. And I said, what are you talking about? He said, we go, down to, we go downtown Calgary outside, and we go by the park down there. And she starts ripping her clothes off and jumps over into the bushes and starts screaming. And I said, what? He says, yeah. Apparently, that's the way she wants me to screw her. I guess, I don't know what to do. I said, yeah, I could imagine that'd be rough. You could get arrested. And he says, oh, I'm not afraid of that. The thing that upsets me, that's my thing. And I said, your thing? He said, yeah. I like to rip their clothes off and throw them into the bushes and fuck them. <laughs> Takes all the fun out of it when she does it. And I just said, you're right, problem. You're, you're right, Brian. There's a problem there. This isn't going to work out. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. Brian Pillman, everyone. Brian Pillman. He's the lunatic. Yeah, legit. So, uh, let's see. Uh, like I said, this is where we go to the Gordon Soley and Gary Hart part two. I've been able to pinpoint part of the problem, I believe, and it is concerning Terry Funk, Mr. Hart. Look, you've oh, called really? me back here the second time. Man, you know I've got all kind of things going on. I've got one of the biggest matches in my career ever to take place. If you don't believe Funk's in the building when this is true, come with me. He's in the building. 
Well, all right, that's fair enough. I will check that out. That's for doggone sure. And I'll tell you what, <laughs> we'll get back a little bit later on in the program. Right now, we're going to pause for these important messages. Stay tuned. Soli is so professional. So professional. Oh, yeah, I think it's great. I think Gary Hart about him is great. And Gary Hart saying, like, a match, a tag match on Clash of the Champions is one of the most important matches of, career, of his career. Yeah. Like, it's just making everything feel really important. It is. It is. It is. And they're, they're telling a story throughout this whole show about Terry Funk. And uh, and just it, I I think the way this all com- just comes together in the end is just fabulous. Yeah, absolutely. And we'll get there. Uh, but before that, we've got what I would consider my least favorite match of the night. Yeah, yeah. And there's Doctor Death Steve Williams taking on the Captain Gas, the Captain Mike Rotunda. So yeah. So Mike Rotunda has the same gimmick as the Steiners. He's a wrestler. Yep. But he's a piece of shit. Yeah, yeah, he, he cheats and shit. And uh, Dr. Death is a reverse Hulk Hogan. And then you got Dr. Death coming out to porno music, too. Well, and, and wearing reverse Hulk Hogan. Yeah, straight up. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> but a much better wrestler. Oh, God. Head yes. and shoulders. Yes, knees and toes. Uh, but yeah, I'm assu- they, they talk about these two as if they were a team in the past. I don't know. Was Steve Williams a part of the varsity? I don't club? know. They talk about how uh, he's finally going to get his comeuppance over the guy that you know just taught him shit or whatever. It, to me, I just didn't like Mike Rotunda. Is boring as fucking the ring. He really is. He is. He's. It's, it's boring. Is. It's not worth watching whatsoever. He is so dry. No. Like, yeah. He, he, he doesn't even have a. He has no persona. No, no charisma. He doesn't have any athleticism. No wonder they made him a sea captain at some point in time. And fucking Irwin R. Scheister. Yeah, because he, he needs something because he's too fucking boring. But yeah, Williams win with a roll through. I did like um, Steve uh, Steve Williams misses an elbow drop and Rotunda pins him for two and JR just yells, you got him for two. <laughs> See, like, Jesus Christ, JR. I, it, didn't, it didn't stick out to me. It, I, I didn't even really notice it. But uh, <laughs> after Williams would get the win... Rotunda would go on the attack, but Doc would fire up, and Rotunda would bail. And so this is ongoing. Hopefully not the Halloween Havoc 89. I hope Actually, it's I know not it's not. Coming. It's not. It's, there's nothing to do with it, I don't think, on Halloween Havoc 89. Good. Good. I've got the card here. We'll go over that before we get We'll go out over that? Over that. Over that. Now, Travis, this is a Meltzer-recommended four-star match. Are you fucking kidding Lex Luger. Versus Tommy Rich. Wow. Um, the Road Warriors match was a three and a quarter stars. But uh, I don't understand. The Fabulous Freebird match with Steiner Brothers was three and a half. So uh, how, how the star ratings have changed. And how- Lex Luger fucking has a promo where he pretty much talks like he has marbles in his mouth. Do you want to listen to that promo? No. No, I don't, I don't really want to listen to I don't want to hear him call the NWA the NW nay. And, and if it, I can't watch that promo with, it, it, I can't watch it. I can't see him hold that belt like he's fucking caressing a baby. Yeah, he he's says doing he's got that a, the entire time. He says he's got a multi-million dollar physique. Or he's got a million dollar physique and a multi-million dollar brain. So, Tyler, is, Re- is Lex Luger a heel? Like, I don't know. I've got the vibe he's a heel, but yet. The crowd cheers him mercifully he's fucking roman reigns yeah he's roman reigns yeah he is he, he really is there there's there's something these two have in common Not he Travis. even rocks a terry taylor flair like robe and everything yeah, yeah. he's a he's a rip they're trying to take little things from everybody to put he's, on him he's you know, the not chosen working. one you know yeah. Tommy Rich, though, he looks like that albino loser you went to school with who wiped his boogers on her desk and beat off through his jean jacket. He looks drunk when he enters. Man, he, this, he looks weird. He might be a great wrestler, but man. Actually, he was a great wrestler. Yeah, like, yeah. I, he, did, he really carried Luger in this match. Oh, no, he did. He did, but he, he doesn't look the part, if, if, you're, if you know no, what I'm No, man, saying. he's got the body of a fucking plumber. Yeah, yeah, so, I mean... There's there's much to be said about you know people's criticisms of today's wrestling compared to this wrestling. We're saying that people do too much today. Man, people did too much back then too. Tom Zink, you know, so much doing yeah. so much. Yeah, and then absolutely, uh, you got people that just look like losers. Like I feel like I beat Tommy Rich up one time 
Yeah, you know I, I mean? honestly, I feel like that would be. I I feel like I'd go to a metal concert and I'd see Tommy Rich there, and he'd probably try and choke bitches and shit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I can see that. He also looks like uh, one of those blonde kids from those movies with the black eyes. You know, like no, fair enough. He does look like one of those. He looks fair. like their leader. Uh, Luger would go up top for a big splash from the top rope, and I loved the camera angle they used for they they use that. That that hydraulic lift to film that. And it was just so great to see Luger from his vantage point just jumping. Yeah. Yeah. I thought it was great. I thought that was great. He would miss it. Uh Rich then would hit a Luthez press. A very weird one too. Yeah. And would pin him like he was gonna try and he was trying to force him to suck his dick. Full mount. Yep. Um so yep. this is where the power moves start. Like oh. this is where JR keeps on saying there's a lot of power moves. Power moves. It's like I'm fucking playing a video game. Um, Cornette says that Bill Apter is here. And whatever event, Apter wears a tie at must be a big event. Oh. Because Apter used to wear that fucking bow tie. Mm-hmm. Looked like a fucking goof with his fucking comb over. It still looks like a goof. Oh, God. Do you think Bill Apter ever got laid? I'm sure ring rats will fuck anybody. I guess so. Uh, outside, uh, Rich would hit the ring post, the Coors Light post. I love how this show is sponsored by Coors Light. Yeah, well, New Japan is all sponsored by Coors Light. Yeah, after those post-match interviews, they always have Coors Light in front of them, and Coors Light is in the background. Huh. Yeah. I figure yeah. it would be like a Japanese beer, like right? Sapporo think or so. something. You'd think so. Uh, but, uh, he hits that ring post, and he can no longer use his right hand. Luger would then reverse the sleeper onto like a chokehold or whatever and would get the pin with his feet under the ropes and win. So he'd even lost in a heel fashion. Or he won in a heel fashion to crowd cheers. Yeah. I don't um, know what to make of another post match brawl. Just you know, Yeah. Like that happens a lot. It it does. Uh and maybe that's because it's just a Clash of Champions television, you know, special. And maybe if you got if we when we get the Halloween Havoc against the actual pay per view, that's know, true because there the was no Thunderdome. <laughs> the Thunderdome, yes. The Thunderdome, what? Yes, yes, yes. Oh, I had this all planned out. There's reasons why I picked this feud. Oh, uh, baby! <laughs> and there's a reason why I did it from where we started, just to get the whole uh, tag team partners. They're a mic- they're they're friends, and then they fall. So. <coughs> Sorry, got some phlegm, sirs. So here's another uh, Gordon Soley, Gary Hart interview. Yes. Thank you, Jim. I think now we're going to get to the bottom of the situation with Gary Hart. All night you've been following me around, Mr. Inside Edition, trying to find out what the gossip is. It's now it's time that I feel that I should let you and the nation know. I have a certified letter from a doctor in Alexandria, Louisiana, who performed the operation on Terry Funk. As you well know, he's in the building, and the film that you'll see is self-explanatory. All right, I understand he's delivered a uh, tape to the uh, engineers. Let's take a look. You simple-minded people have your nerve to come into this hospital room to gloat at me in pain. This is what Ric Flair did to me when he repeatedly beat on my arm with that branding iron. It became infected, and I came that far from losing my arm. Oh, does that sound funny to you people? Oh, I'll bet you enjoy that, don't you? Well, how are you going to enjoy Tuesday night's clash? Because I am going to be there if I have to crawl out of the Lady of the Lake. Here in Louisiana and crawl all the way to Atlanta, I will, because I will be there Tuesday night. Don't change your dial off of WTBS. Leave it on there, because you're going to see Terry Funk get Ric Flair. I promise you that, damn it. So, Tyler, in our timeline, do we see a Flair and uh, Funk match? It's already happened. Already having Great American uh, Bash 89, right? That's, that the is match. the match that led to this tag match that we see here, where you had uh, Great Muda and Terry Funk uh, double-teaming on Ric Flair post-match, and Sting comes in for the save, and everybody was shocked that Sting came to help his former enemy, Ric Flair. 
So, yeah, it's a shame. Maybe, uh, maybe future Patreon episodes will include maybe the uh, Terry Funk Ric Flair match. Maybe it'll include the first Sting Ric Flair match. We'll see. We'll see. Maybe, uh, maybe uh, there'll be little ten minute episodes that you get. Yeah, so that uh that included the 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 Gary Hart over arc for the the show. This you're all caught up now as to why Terry Funk's not there and that his replacement is Dick Slater. So they are going to take on Ric Flair and Sting, and that is right now. What a promo from Funk, though. Oh, it was the quiet Jake Roberts like promo that makes you like baited in where you have to listen to him. You have to keep hush hush and you yep. gotta listen. Yeah, you got to listen. He he demands that you listen to him. Amazing. But not by raising his voice. No. no he, he talked really solid. Yeah. That's how you get him, man. Yep. It was a beautiful promo. It, it really was. I, I will admit the whole infection going into his arm, having to almost lose his arm. And then when you double it up to that, Ric Flair has also injured Dick Slater. He's wearing a cast as well with the same branding iron. So. Why do they call him Dirty Dick? Why don't they just call him Smegma Slater? What? What's Smegma Slater? Knob cheese. Oh, what's knob cheese? It's the, it's the white shit you got on your dick if you don't wash it. And what did you call that? Smegma. You got, I've never heard that before. That's a very common thing for uncircumcised penises, Tyler. Smeg, is that a medical terminology? Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, so it is medical terminology. Yeah. Okay, okay, I got Smegma. you. I got you. I thought this was like some kind of slang for Sm- head cheese. Smegma. So you're saying that Dick Slater should be called Smegma Slater? Fuck yeah. Fuck. Alliteration, dude. <laughs> oh, God. By the way, Dick Slater looks like Adam Page's fucking disgruntled uncle. I've seen Dick Slater on a movie recently. I'm sure of it. <laughs> um, fuck, what movie is Dick Slater on? Oh, I think I'm thinking of The Crusher, where he's on uh, The Wrestler with Fern Gagne. Oh, oh, no. <laughs> there, I watched a movie lately that has somebody in it that looks remarkably like Dick Slater. It's probably not him, because it was a newer movie, but I can't remember the name of it now. But uh, the match starts with uh, Muda and Sting. Uh, Muda, who took the television title from Sting earlier in the year. Uh, I, I'm sure that match was great, too. Prior to this match starting, JR says that the yellow mist is the most dangerous. Yeah, uh, this but, is a question that we were asking back during the timeline. But that negates everything. Yellow mist is actually paralyzation. Green mist is for blindness. But yet, Stink kept moving around for the yellow mist. Exactly, exactly. So is maybe the most painful up to this point. It's possible. It's possible. Maybe the uh, the documentation for yellow mist was Japanese was, science had to innovate the mist maybe maybe at this point in time in 89 maybe the yellow mist was just a stronger more potent blinding agent but in today's standards yellow mist is generally for paralyzation i love how there's like actual logic. mind control bitch Purple love the logic mist. to the mist uh we see gary hart and his branding uh iron under a towel yeah he's hiding it jr calls him a magician because he didn't have it a minute ago because it was under the towel. <laughs> JR, you're a fucking idiot. You're a fucking idiot. Uh, and they also bring this up as being Muda and Flair's first official in-ring meeting. Yes. And yes. it was enjoyable to Flair was hell. great. I tell you what. One thing I noticed about Flair tonight is that he has the best back suplex I've ever seen anyone do. Yep. Yeah. Great yeah, back yeah. suplex. He the the whole thing when you got Muda and Flair in there together it was great when you got Muda and Sting in there it was really good uh, I could see you know, singles matches between those two just being absolutely incredible for this timeline and uh, I'm not going to discount Dick Slater because he was a really good seller yeah, yeah really good, good seller I, I enjoy really Dick Slater overzealous with everything he does but not in a bad way it's just he's really I don't know he's trying to put an effort in and I really like that yeah. I like that a lot. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree. The match itself, you know, going through the first, you know, let's say first 15 minutes. It was a big schmoz. It was a big schmoz. Uh, it was clumsy at certain aspects as well because you got two guys, two teams that are not tag teams and they don't team together. So they don't really know where each other's going to be at all times. You had a lot of running into each other. 
But you know, when they when you when the smiles would dissipate and they would fight in the ring, it would be okay. It would be a good match, especially if Muda was in the ring. If Muda was in the ring, we were cool. So I thought that was great. Uh, to me, my favorite spot of the night is when Sting hits a stinger splash. He applies a scorpion deathlock. Muda is about to tap. Meanwhile, Flair has the ref distracted from brawling with Dick Slater aside. Gary Hart comes in and hits Sting with a roll of coins. Yes. They yes! Uh, they then point out how there's shiny metal objects around the ring for the rest of the match, and they play off it as if the fans threw the coins into the ring. Fuck's sake. So that itself, that's genius. Absolute fucking genius. It was great. I loved it. Even just the simplest aspect of a roll of coins, something easy to hide. Yeah. Very hurtful. Yeah, and, and you so, can you can gimmick it by having it already open and inside your palm. When you hit them with your palm, the coins go everywhere. Exactly. Um, my favorite spot of the night for this match, it was a work rate like spot. Seeing Flair actually hit a top rope maneuver successfully. Yeah, what handle. was it? What was it? He had a double axe handle. Oh, okay, and then yeah. um, they go outside. Muda crossbodies Flair, and then Sting crossbodies Muda, and then this huge brawl exudes yeah. with the crowd going wild. I. I and after that, Gary Hart regroups his team to discuss strategy. I don't know. It, it, it was just so great. I do. I like that stuff, too. Uh, Muda also had a fantastic seat of power bomb. Yes. I thought that was a beautiful. That was just following the coin spot. Um, the, the match would ultimately just uh, lose control. Uh, Flair would come to save Sting outside. The crowd would end up going nuts for Flair trying to save Sting. Now the heels, they get in control. Uh, Sting and Dick, they collide. It's a Dick Stinger. (laughs) This gave Sting the strength he needed to get the hot tag, allowing Flair to clean house. Muda then sprays uh, what Cornette calls yellow mist in Sting's face. Like I said earlier, yellow's paralyzation, blah, blah, blah. All hell breaks loose now as Flair's applying to figure four. He's blasted by Slater with his cast. Flair gigs. The ref bumps onto the floor. Fucking everything's just going madness. And it's then we get Funk. Funk comes in, Travis. And what does he have? A shopping bag. He's got a shopping bag. And what does he do with said shopping bag? He tries to kill Ric Flair. She's dead. Wrapped in plastic. Yes! <laughs> yes! Yes! Ah! Uh, he wraps the fucking plastic bag over Ric Flair's head and continues to choke him. This is all while Ric Flair is bleeding and you can see the blood through the plastic bag. Tell you just made me the happiest person in the world. She's dead. Wrapped, wrapped in, in plastic. plastic. That is a Twin Peaks quote from the pilot episode of Twin Peaks. When he's describing Laura Palmer's dead body. From the the great Pete Martell, Jack Nance. So, uh, yeah. Uh, After that, Slater and Muda, they beat Sting's leg with the branding iron. The match gets thrown out. And we come. Can we appreciate Funk's tuxedo for a second? Oh, yeah. Cutting one arm off for his cast? Oh, man. Seriously, like, Terry Funk is a man among men. He is. Truly. He is. Uh, I, I, I really hope we get a lot of Terry Funk in, in this, this, this to come. In what this, a joy. Uh, yeah, exactly. What a joy. It's, if not, I want to go back and see that Terry Funk. Reclaim. I think I'm just going to start watching this WCW for fun. Like yeah. Episodes we're not doing. Yeah. Fuck it. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And so we come back. They take a break after this because it is on TBS. And we, when we get back from commercial break, Ross says that they just gave Flair mouth-to-mouth resuscitation. No, Flying Brian gave Flair mouth-to-mouth. Oh, because he's the first one through there. Wow. Imagine a fan fiction on that one. Right? Uh, Cornette that says that he was up Brian's the- rape fantasy is coming to life. <laughs> <laughs> I've always a, wanted to kiss you, Flair. A dormant Ric Flair out already. Yep. He's ready to go for Pillman's fantasy. Good, good. Cornette also says that he was hooked up to a defibrillator. And uh, medics have already taken Sting out on a stretcher. The first one to Ric Flair's side was Flying Brian. And we go off the air. Ric Flair bleeding, getting wrapped up. And Flying Brian just went back to the camera, loving his friend. So that was our first forte, Travis, into 1989 Battle of the Woos. WCW Fall Brawl. 
I don't think I've ever enjoyed a show that I reviewed so much. I, I think I'm with you there. And, uh, and I, being able to talk about it, too, because usually when you have a good show, there's a lot that you can't talk about because it's just good. So you yeah. can't take the piss out of it. Yeah, but this is completely different. Completely different, yeah. Yes. So uh, before we uh, we get out of here, let's uh, let's run through our next timeline, Battle of the Woos episode, which is... Halloween Havoc, nineteen eighty nine. So, the opening match will open up with Mike Rotunda taking on the Z Man. Ooh, yeah. Oh, then we have a six man tag team match: Steve Williams and the Midnight Express against the Samoan Savage and the Samoan SWAT team. Who's the Samoan Savage? Don't know, but he's he is uh, followed to the ring with the Big Kahuna. Okay. Yeah, I don't know either. Singles match between the Cuban Assassin and Tommy Rich. Oh, my God. I know. And then we have Travis. Travis, the fabulous Freebirds will take on the dynamic dudes. Yes! <laughs> yes! Uh, Doom will take on the Steiner brothers. Oh, man. Because uh, Woman is now with the Doom. Okay, so, we've, so. That, that's it. So she did it. We get a NWA United States Heavyweight Championship match between Lex Luger and Flying Brian. Oh, that's a good match. I've yeah, actually seen that yeah, before. Yeah, I have too, actually. I'm not going to lie. I have. Then we have a tag team match. Uh, the Road Warriors against the Skyscrapers. Uh, Sid Vicious is still in there. And then, Travis, the Thunderdome match. Refereed by none other than Bruno Sammartino. What? Yep. The <laughs> JTEX Corporation, Terry Funk, and Great Muda will take on the Four Horsemen, Ric Flair and Sting with Ole Anderson. So yeah, what is the Thunderdome? I don't know, and I am. Is it going to be like the Chamber of Horrors from? Uh, I don't. I don't know. I don't know if it's. It's. I would assume it's more like the uh, the uh, the, the escape the, the cage X division match that the red Terror guy Dome, the red one. Maybe yeah. I don't know if it's probably something like. I don't know. I have no idea. I've never seen the Thunderdome. Man, match. that I I'm I know it's probably doesn't even sound like a good card, but I am so stoked for that. I, I am, am too. So I am too. Stoked. It might not seem like a great card, but it's a lot of guys that we haven't seen much of in this timeline or in our podcast in general, and it's just so refreshing to see this. And a lot of these matches, Travis, are giving good ratings. Like, I'm looking at one, two, three matches with three-star ratings and one with a four. So we'll get into that next within the next couple of weeks we'll let you know when this episode is out like we said it's no we're not on no set schedule but we are going to be promoting the dates that these episodes will be coming out on it's like an every two week affair right pretty much pretty much but it might be two and a half weeks it might be you know whatever but uh you can uh, like i said you can sign up for our patreon you can get all four tiers you can also not let's not discredit there's also the fud club the fud club if you're not a member of patreon and you don't want to fuck around with patreon you can just go on to the federation.com slash fud club and you can donate us some paypal monies over there you'll see the guidelines you'll get access to exclusive content that password protected the password will change every month so you don't get the freebies so uh go fuck yourself on that if you if you sign up now you'll get the last bit of February and March. So do it now. Be proud. Sign up now to get this episode two days early. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> what the fuck? What? They can't hear you? <laughs> oh. oh, I'm dumb. That's, I'm that's so dumb. That is great. I, I fucking, <laughs> that was rich. That was rich. Like a dog wearing a pair of sunglasses, smoking a corncob pipe, Rich. Yeah, it was. So, uh, shout out to our Patreon subscribers, Travis, Ty Looney, Chris Savage, Dallas Ellingsworth, and Vivan LeJady for uh, for supporting this episode here. Uh, again, another thanks to Whiskey Heathens Productions. If you like cigars and you like whiskey and you like naked ladies. I am drinking whiskey right now, so then, yes. There you go. Then you will enjoy Whiskey Heathens and uh, Whiskey Heathens Productions, who will be bringing you the Let's Play with the Cox and just an overall sponsor of the Federation. We love you all a long time. So uh, follow us on Twitter at the Federation. Follow Travis. Uh, Fudging up 333. You can go on Facebook. Uh, you, you'll see a good gif of a whirly bird and 
funk plastic bags. You'll see uh, Flair dead wrapped dead. in plastic. Wrapped in plastic. Yes. So uh, you can go on uh, Facebook, uh, the Federation Podcast. You you can listen to us on iTunes, Stitcher, uh, Google, uh, Tune In. All kinds of places. Wherever you can get a podcast, you can get this one. And then you can uh, buy a t-shirt at whatamaneuver.net. Three new designs. Maybe with this new arc, we'll have a new design coming up. Who knows? It'll be uh, sooner rather than later, I would imagine. You got three designs, but about six to seven variations of clothing. Yes. Yes. And uh, around this time, too, you should be able to buy Federation stickers. $5 onto thefederation.com. Free shipping. $5 $5 get you a sticker, a nice 5 by 2 So, uh, Travis, you got anything else to say before we uh, get out of this song, bitch? Really hope that you guys are uh, going to enjoy this arc, because I know that we will. I hope that you guys have fun with us as we're going to travel through 1989 and 1990, because this is something that I think everyone should be aware of. It's it's, it's a good a timeline. Very, a, a good timeline and a very innovative time in wrestling. That's all I have to say. There you go. That's all I got to say about that. <laughs> That's what I appreciate about Jeff. Yeah. Uh, so uh, when uh, we'll be leaving you guys off with the aftermath of tonight's show being called by Jim Cornette and Jim Ross. Uh, but with that being said, Travis, keep on rocking the free roll, Dan. Doot, 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 doot. Doot, doot. And we're back here, ladies and gentlemen, on TBS's Superstation. They have... They have- uh, giving Ric Flair mouth-to-mouth resuscitation from that, that plastic bag that was over his head. We don't have a great deal of time. Corny, this is so tragic right here. Jim, this is this is the most horrible thing I've ever seen happen. Flair was down on the ground from that plastic bag attacked by Terry Funk. Brian Pillman was the first one to his side. He tried to administer some aid. I believe he gave him mouth-to-mouth resuscitation. The paramedics have been called. They have got the inhalator now on Ric Flair. Gordon Soley down there, too, as well, I see. Uh, Doug Dillinger, head of security. Yes, Fans, we're not going to have a lot of time. We'll try to talk more about it tonight. They're bandaging the wrestling hotline wrap-up. Remember, we'll have that live. As soon as we go off the air, we'll keep you apprised of this. So be sure and call that number, and we'll have a full report, of course, this Saturday night, 6.05, on the Superstation on World Championship Wrestling. This is so tragic right here. I saw, I saw that inhalator going over Flair's mouth earlier, and now they're bandaging the cut. I believe they're going to try to... Sting's leg, Sting has been carried out, or he's, he's been a minute or two. He may have a broken foot, I'm not sure. We'll know more about it a little bit later. But he, Sting was hit. They bent the branding iron over his foot or his leg. I couldn't see. He took the full brunt of that blow with the branding iron right over the lower part of the leg or the foot. Like you said, he's being administered to. Ric Flair is down with the paramedics, with the chief of security. Flying Brian, as we said, the first one to his side. This is, this is a bit, this is tragic. It, it really is. I, I, how do you describe something like this, fans? This has gone too far. We'll see they you have Saturday gone too far. They've gone too far. <laughs>